Fuck off! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to We Got Your Six at Six. I'm obviously not Andrea Eichmann. Sorry to disappoint. It's Dan Hudson with the People's Patriot Project. Uh, We have an interesting show for you this evening. Very, very talented and amazing musical guest, uh, multi-instrumentalist. Very excited for that. Um, This show will obviously spur very interesting conversation we look forward to your comments with that being said an honorable and respectful september 11th to everyone listening everybody out there all of you patriots out there thank you so much Uh, with that being said if you could if possible remove your hat stand cover your heart and recite the pledge of allegiance I pledge allegiance to the, to the flag, flag of the United, United States, States of America, America and, to the and to the republic for which it, for stands, which it stands, one nation, one nation under, God, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. What is going on, brother? How did I do? I can't do you what did, Andrea does. You did amazing. Uh, you know, we, we punted. And it, it's amazing. And um, we've, no, it's, oh, the, the, the benefits and the cruxes of doing a live show uh, is always amazing, only in the fact that uh, we sometimes get handed some curveballs. And it's okay. I've committed to not saying curveball ever again because of uh, the amount of them that we have to serve up. But we're here. We're here. Um, and I will not say wheelhouse. Wheelhouse, wheelhouse. That's, That's your word. Not in the wheelhouse. I don't know. I just I got a problem with that. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, right now we got. I mean, we got many people on board. Uh, just here for the listening of this weekend. We got your six and six, patron playtime, and 
I see Timothy Allen Franken in there making comments. I see Tammy Schroeder in there making comments. Thank you. Uh, Andrea will be showing up momentarily, uh, whatever that momentarily means. And uh, we got uh, Johnny um, Holiday sitting in the background right now. Um, Timothy Newton saying wheelhouse. And we do have the A-bomb coming in with our special guest here any moment. Um, Today. The day. Here's the deal. We've had more tragic days in America than September 11th. And you're going to say, what the F are you talking about, Mark? Um, We've had days where we've lost tens of thousands back in the Civil War, where we lost tens of thousands of people in in a day. And um, but I, I mean, I don't get to remember those days and none of those days are rememberable for any of us up until this point. And, uh, um, September 11th sits the hardest in my world. I mean, the, the death of my father, the death of my mother, you know, those days, nine 11 uh, impacts me more every single year than any other day in my time. I got my till the holla remember, and we go with, uh, to remember is not enough. Um, I don't know how to fix the condition of my heart when it comes to this day. And uh, I did listen to uh, Denny Katona, not listen. He did a, a post about how how he's getting older, and I, he eloquently put it. And I just appreciate. It. I won't do any justice repeating it, but. Uh, um, I don't know, and I let my brain kind of wander sometimes as to the what ifs, the whereas, and the all that. And you know, there's conspiracies out there. I just don't. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point only because I don't know how to define this day. I remember the day it happened, as many of us do. I was teaching at Brooklyn Center. Someone came in. I was teaching Fayed. And someone said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. And I'm just like, yikes. And I I happened to have a football game that day. So I lived 90 miles from the place I was teaching. And I just remember getting done with the football game and then driving home and watching all the cars lined up at gas stations. and, And then me walking through my front door. And at the time, my daughter was born on August 2nd that year. And my son was born on August 3rd, the year before. Actually, that's the other way around, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, I just figured my flaw, because if they're listening, they'll surely beat me up about this later. Anyway, and I looked at my wife and I said, what on earth have we brought our children into? Why, why, why are we at this place? And so I know everyone's got their stories. Please feel free to share your stories. Um I don't know if this is ever going to be a thing I'm going to personally be able to to mend from, to be honest with you. And uh, the piece a lot of people keep reminding me of is the day after September 11th, the 12th, and how patriotic our country became. And I appreciate that to a point. Um but I don't understand why we can't live that way every single day. Because not only patriotic, Mark, unified, unified, unified as, as Americans, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I, 
I remember I was with the SWAT team. I was with the SWAT team at, uh, doing SWAT training, and I had my SWAT camouflage on, and uh, I got called back to my unit because I was now Title Ten activated because I was a guard member at the time. So I traded one camouflage uniform for another. But even stopping at a gas station, people were patting me on the back, and uh, they they were uh, as Americans, it was go get them, go get them. They were just patting us on the back, and. I didn't realize that was going to be my last day at the police department, but it really was. So everybody has a story and September 12th was a day of unification. And I yearn for that, for this country and for every fellow American, that unification, one flag, one flag. And it's weird because I don't want to stomp on the pieces that you're talking about because now we're standing here how many years later? And we've got people saying that the flag that we fly today is racist, it's sexist, it's and it's just like, my goodness, people, <laughs> it's a flag that represents us all. It's supposed to. Our good friend C.J. Garten wrote a song called Ferris Wheel, and I think that describes it really, really well. It goes around and around, and this happens year years in years out it, it it it's up it's down it goes around and around and it's it's a very prolific song and i think that really describes this country too uh we're we're waiting for you to get to where you need to be and andrea does have our special guest it looks like they're playing around right now um can you imagine andrea having a good time with anything that she's doing should we just bring her in is. i had a plan i had a plan over something oh, oh i'm she, waiting she's, i got she the, said, wait one got minute <laughs> What amazing, this is amazing. So this is what we're going to do. Um, Sometimes the audio doesn't come across clean when we do clips, and I tried to upload it today, and it didn't upload, blah, blah, blah. Life is life. I want to show you what an amazing effort a man down in Texas has done. We're going to watch and see what Bobby Withrow with Texas Fallen has done down in Texas. Enter Tuesday night, placing 4,000 American flags out here to commemorate those lost on 9-11 and the subsequent war on terror. Seeing all these flags, that's going to be pretty amazing. A striking tribute growing by the second as volunteers place flags at the new Veterans Memorial at Yonder's Point to remember the nearly 3,000 people who died in the September 11th attacks. I think it's really important since we weren't alive, but... I mean, it is tragic because so many people lost their lives and their families are affected, and we wouldn't know what that's like. Another thousand flags commemorating the Texas service members who've been killed since 9-11. This is very important for us to remember, even though there are different times and different wars, we're honoring those who served to protect our freedom who did not make it back. The plaza of flags, along with the memorial itself, which was unveiled earlier this year, was spearheaded by the Texas Fallen Project. It just means a lot for us to be able to come out and have a place that's for us. Round Rock City Council helping to make it a reality. The city of Round Rock has always been a very big supporter of our veterans and the veterans' families. And so it was important for us to have a place to come, just to sit, to remember. And on this day, city councilors, motorcycle clubs, high schoolers, and veterans of all ages all joining together to lay out 132 rows of American flags. Having 
different groups come together to put this together was ideal. It's what we want. We want to come together as a community. Many of the volunteers, high schoolers who were part of the Young Men's Service League, born well after 9-11. I think it just shows the meaning because obviously none of us were really uh, actually in the event or born at that time. So I think just being able to conjoin shows really how much we feel for those people and how much we can keep in memory of them. Just for them to see people commemorating and to help out in their own way means a lot. Organizer Bobby Withrow says he wants anyone and everyone to come see these flags and reflect on those who paid the ultimate price. I was asked uh, when we put these up if they wanted me to put barricades up. I said, no, that's not what freedom's about. Going out in the middle of those flags, taking, being able to take pictures, that's, that's what freedom is. And if you'd like to come see this memorial for yourself, the flags will be on display here until next Tuesday, September 13th here at Old Settlers Park. Reporting in Round Rock, I'm John Krinjak, Fox 7 Austin News. Bobby Withrow, you're a champion, brother. For sure, for sure. Um, great friend, Texas Fallen. Um, I've been down a couple times to visit. Not that I qualify anything, but uh, Bobby Withrow wears it on his sleeve and gets the job done. In his off days, he goes and cleans, uh, he cleans gravestones. And, and goes from cemetery to cemetery uh, cleaning gravestones of those who have fallen and, and don't have caretakers of, of and just he is on a constant, constant, constant go. And uh, so um, just uh, an amazing mission. I was, uh, of course, watching that and feeling like I don't do enough sometimes. I thought about uh, what would it take to create a traveling memorial um, of, you know, the three by five flags that can find a field. And of course it takes a little bit more work. It'll take a lot more people, but to create those pieces of, of memory across our country, it's kind of where I sit and the things I think about um, to remember is not enough. Um, people have given their, their lives, so we can lay our heads on the pillows of freedom every single day. And um, so let's. Um, Looks like we have a thumbs up from Andrea. I saw do. the thumbs up. Ah, oh, there it is. So when was the last time you got to speak to a 98-year-old World War II veteran? It's been five years. <laughs> Five years, but yep. it doesn't and happen was, every day. No, not at all. It's very rare. <laughs> um, me and Andrea, I want to say five years ago, had the, the blessing of, of visiting a, a conference. Um, it was a political conference, and we had the chance to meet a young man there. And um, ironically enough, on this, this Saturday, we had the chance of joining um, an event at, and I'm totally having one of my moments. Um, I couldn't pull my notes up. I got something going on my computers, but uh, um, we got to go to this farm. <laughs> Andrew can help us because she's smarter than us. Um, we got to go to this farm, and Andrew looks down at the end of this table, and she goes, Mark, is that Fremont? And I looked down there, and I said, no, that guy's too young to be Fremont. That's way too young. And uh, then all of a sudden, she goes, I'm going to go find out. She walks down the, the way, and uh, sure as heck, 
are very young, 98, and we have to we have to count in the half now because that's that's going to be important. But the 98 and a half year old World War One two, we got Fremont. We got Fremont in the house. Can you hear us now? We you can go. hear you now. Awesome. I look at this. I'm doing like a live mic. This is the this is the first time, but we wanted to be able to hear Fremont, so I wanted to bring it close. Does it sound good? It sounds, sounds perfect. Great. Sounds perfect. We were just talking about Fremont's age and how he stays so young. And he's going to tell us a little bit about how he stays so young at 98 and a half years. Well, I, I do uh, a few things differently than I, most of my friends do, okay? Uh, for example, uh, every day I take a heaping tablespoon of coconut oil for my breakfast, lunch, and supper. Uh, I, I, I force myself, if necessary, to get adequate physical exercise. I, my wife and I are very fortunate to have a lovely rambler. So I can start out one end of the room and Rambler go down the other back and I'll walk for 30 minutes each morning, each afternoon and I carry barbells. So I'm getting very physical, wonderful physical ex ex exercise for my whole entire body. And, and uh, I think that's part of the reason that uh, I'm doing quite well today uh, health-wise uh, and memory and so forth. Um, one thing that, that I have a, a few pet uh, things that I do, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'll take uh, each meal, I'll take a heaping tablespoon of coconut oil. And, and uh, when I get up, the first thing in the morning I do, very first thing in the morning I do, is go to the bathroom and, and, and uh, I have uh, cod liver, uh, coconut oil, and, and I'll take a, a large tablespoon or a couple of them in my mouth, and I'll swish that around in my mouth continually uh, for about 20, 30 minutes, and then I'll spit it out. Uh, one thing that I learned uh, that I don't think most people understand. Two, three thousand years ago, uh, the the people in Italy uh, found out that uh, if they take, excuse me, in India that was in India, they, they, if they take uh, uh, oil in their mouth and they swish out that oil in the mouth, they seem to have better health and good good spirits and so forth. What they didn't understand was that the highest concentration of free radicals in our body is in our mouth in the morning when you and I wake up. So the very first thing I do when I wake up, I take a heaping tablespoon of, cod, of uh, coconut oil and I'll swish that around in my mouth for 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, spit it out and rinse my mouth out. I, I think that's, plus I take a, a, a heaping tablespoon for each meal, breakfast, 
uh, dinner time and supper time, and and, and I'll have that uh, for I consume that okay, and and I'm sure it's helped me a great deal. And another thing that's helped me because I haven't had the flu, and I haven't had a cold for I don't know how long. Doctor Linus Pauling, a very renowned. Uh, expert, technical expert, uh, I heard him say that he, or saw him, he held up a glass vial about five or six inches long, and he said, and on the bottom of that glass vial was a little white line. And he said, this is what the federal government tells you that you should take each day. And, 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 and Dr. Linus Pauling said that he personally took 10 grams of vitamin C per day. And he said some days if you feel punk, P-U-N-K, you'd take more than that. When, when, when I heard him say that, I got on that, my wife and I. And I've been on it ever since. And folks, I'm 98. Guess what? I don't have any wrinkles in my eyes, going out of my eyes. None. Zero. Okay? And, 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 and it treats my whole body, in a sense, a healing atmosphere, and and so those are the some some of the things I do. And another thing that I that I'm very conscientious of, I do my physical exercise. Uh, there was reasons why we decided on a, a rambler, and I'm glad that one of them was that we want to be able to exercise. It was 15 below in the winter time instead of going outside and freezing our toesies, we could stay inside and do our exercise. And, and, and every day I, I, I walk for 30 minutes carrying barbells in my house from one end of the house to the other. And I do the same thing in the afternoon. So I'm getting physical exercise and I'm, I'm watching my weight. Uh, I, I try not to overeat. And, and I think I'm very close to the body weight when I graduated from high school. Yeah, me too. And, 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 and I'll repeat again, what's a blessing, folks? I don't get the flu and I don't get the cold, okay? My friends get it and I don't, okay? Uh, but then I, on top of that, I use some good judgment. Uh, because of the Chinese flu, I sort of avoid places where there's tons of people. I mean, uh, why go potentially and and expose yourself to that if you don't have to? I just don't do it. So I use my head about where I'm going and uh, try to be conscious of an atmosphere that uh, will not hopefully give me the flu. So those are some of the things that I do. And I feel great. And I, and I have very pretty girls like the one right now. And she interviews me, interviews me and uh, asks questions and and I have all kinds of fun. So if you have any questions, I'll do my best to try to answer them. You're amazing. Um, it, it's such a blessing to have you here, and it's just great to have you. We're going to bring Johnny Holiday in real quick just so he's not sitting in the backstage. You've been sitting there patiently for us. But we'll continue talking to to our, our... – One thing I'd like to point out, folks, I, I was at a, a official ga gathering yesterday. And uh, I, I still wear my World War II uniform. 
that I wore when I was 17, 18 years old. I still wear it. And, 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 and I think, again, that's my conscious effort to control my weight and, and uh, take care of myself. And it Mr. Gruss. Good, right? It looked good on this guy yesterday, didn't oh, it? It looked like he just put it on for the first time yesterday and that uh, he was up marching around yesterday. And I'm just like, how can I keep up with this guy? And he's <laughs> he was running around the grounds doing his thing and taking interviews from people and answering questions and enjoying the the amazing barbecue from uh, Texas Roadhouse. And it was just, again, it was just a blessing to see Mr. Gruss there and uh, and then listen to the great music of our other guest, uh, Johnny Holiday, who was uh, also there giving us the sultry sounds of uh, his horn play. <laughs> Good to have you here, Mr. Holiday. Thank you for having me, brother. It's great to finally meet you face to face. Well, that's the first time anyone's ever said that. But, but love is uh, blind, and I got cataracts, so we all call <laughs> it. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Gruss, um, what could you tell um, our soldiers and first responders of today about uh, about your service back in the earliest in the early years of the? 21st century, really. Talking to me? Yeah. yeah. So about your service. Sure. Well, yeah. I was very conscientious. I left Fort Snelling when I was 17 years old on a troop train. I don't think I ever saw a train that long. And and, and they had the cars for sleeping. It was about a three-day trip to California. And and, and uh, when, when, when I got out there, I, I followed the rules quite thoroughly, and and uh, one thing that uh, concerned me greatly, they would we were on the edge of a desert, and they'd take us out. We'd carry heavy weapons, eighty-one millimeter mortars, and heavy thirty-caliber machine water-cooled machine guns to the desert. It was just excruciatingly hot out there, and at the end of the day. They'd have a carry, carry, we'd carry all that equipment back to the barracks again. And I can remember vividly that, that uh, a number of the soldiers, oh, they had water discipline. Uh, they found out in, early in going to Africa that they didn't have adequate supplies of water. So they had water discipline where we'd go out there and we'd come back at night and standing in front of the barracks, we had to dump out a half a canteen of water. Boy, it was terrible. And I, I can never forget walk, watching uh, a quarter, half a mile away from us, uh, troops going home at, at, at supper time. And one after another was ambulances following them. They were so dehydrated that they just kept dropping over. It was, it was just pathetic. So those are some of the expenses, experiences that I remember. Another one that that, that uh, is, is is a little challenging. In, in infantry basic training in those days, they would take us out in, in the country, rolling hills, uh, grass, uh, you name it, and we'd walk 18 miles in the middle of the night without any lights. Wow. So you're you're consciously falling over by tripping in holes or tripping on branches or something. It was, it was, it was 
was terrible, but they wanted to they wanted to instill upon us these these things that we could face in combat. And so uh, those are some of the things that I remember and just thought I'd pass on to you. Because you, you've got to live through a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, aircraft, you know, all of a sudden we have an Air Force. That probably didn't exist when you first started. Yeah. Um, well, I was, I, I'd like to tell you about that. Uh, you, so the, the infantry training was a, was a bitter pill to take. And, and, and an order came down and said, if you could qualify the physical and the mental tests, you could apply for aviation cadets in the United States Air Force. I couldn't believe it. Out of 100 in our company, three of us qualified. I don't know how many wow. took the test, but three of us qualified. And, and, and I was so, so blessed uh, that, and I was, uh, they said, took us out of the infantry, put us in the Air Corps, and sent us to college. And I was about three weeks away from finishing that class of the, at Kansas State College. And, and uh, an order came down and said, you're automatic relieved. You're going to go return back to the infantry, folks. Uh, the state of Florida was completely dry in those days. You couldn't buy a glass of beer. You couldn't buy a glass of wine or anything. Anything, okay? The next morning, I came out of the barracks. The ground was covered with guys laying out. They. The bootleggers had to retire. They made so much money at, the, at that time. But it was so sad to see all these guys drink their way. Just, just they lost it because they know how, what, what a terrible future was going to be going back in the infantry. And uh, those are some of the things I remember as highlights. Pardon me? After all of your training, mm -hmm. then you went overseas. Yeah, I... I <clears throat> I was assigned to the 97th Infantry Division. It was the Trident Division that was formed in World War I and represented the three or four of the eastern states along the ocean in, in the United States. And uh, we, we, uh, I was sent to that division and we were sent, the division was sent to Europe to fight and we went to Lucky Strike, Camp Lucky Strike in, in, in France. And it was a camp, folks, that, that had to have been about two miles long. It was just huge. Just a, a center to bring a, a soldiers off there for a week or two before they sent them out. And they sent us to Germany. And we had our heaviest fighting in the Ruhr Valley and in the Rhineland. And I can remember distinctly in a very large field. One morning I got up, we started our advance through, and here was one body after another, as far as you could see. Uh, a, a number of them were all bloody, but a lot of them didn't have any mark on them, but they were just, they're all gone. And that really sobered you up in a hurry to think that the things that you had to, had to look ahead for. So... Those are some of the things I remember. 
What was only because today is nine eleven? What were what? Can you tell us your perspective as being? I mean, a seasoned adult by the time that nine uh, eleven happened. What was your take? What was your place? Where were you at? What were you doing when the nine eleven incident happened? The nine eleven. Do you remember uh, September eleventh? Yeah. Nine eleven. Yeah. When the towers went down. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember where you were? No, I don't. I I don't. I, I sort of think I was home, but I'm not. What yeah. year was that? Uh, two thousand one. Yeah, I was home. When I saw home, my mother and father uh, moved to Annandale, Minnesota, a small town on the Sioux Line Railroad, about sixty miles from Minneapolis. And my father had a general store there, and he did very, very well financially, but. The drought and rain, the drought came, and, and the depression took a hold, and the farmers didn't have any any uh, uh, they, they they didn't have any crops to sell, and so my father lost everything. He lost the store, lost her home, and uh, he had to go up in to northern Minnesota to work for with a family member. My mother and I went down to the cities to stay with my grandparents who were up in years. And uh, so that was some of my early days that I remember. I love you it. You came back. You came back to Minnesota after your service. Yes, right. Did you finish that college class? College what? The the class that you had to leave. Did you come back and finish that? Is that in the Air Corps? The, the Kansas State. Did you? Kansas State? Uh, no, we, uh, we just... I, went from the Air Corps back in the infantry, and that's when I ended up in the 97th Infantry Division, okay. which uh, was formed in World War One, And uh, I was assigned in the Heavy Weapons Company, and I was assigned in the mortars, 81 millimeter mortars. We could uh, fire those guns, and they, the, the shell would go two miles, and we could get 10 shells into the air at one time before the first one hit the ground. And, and, and they were most deadly for this one reason. The German 88s, which is a big killer of guys and fighting against them, uh, the, the, the mortars you never heard, all of a sudden, there's explosions are all around you. You never heard them coming in. The 88 uh, German artillery piece, you could hear it coming from a long ways away and you could get down on as low as you can save your life. And one other thing I'd like to detail, like to explain, I, I grew up uh, and my mother and father would take me hunting with them. When, when I was five, six, seven years old, I'd go out in the blinds with them. So I knew guns very well and I was taught the safety of guns. Uh, the majority of the guys entering the service never had a gun and they never think about the safety of it. And I and, uh, one basic rule is you never ever point a gun at anybody. And uh, over in Germany, one one night, one afternoon, we stopped. Uh, the fellow, one fellow, was sitting there. He says, "Look what I got today." And he he had a very ancient uh, pistol, and there was uh, eight, ten fellows around a fifteen-foot circle, and he had this pistol, and he and he. And I'm, I'm, I'm right across the, the, from where he was. And all of a sudden, he's pointing that gun at me. That really shook me up. 
because you don't ever point a gun at anybody. And immediately when I saw that pistol pointed at me, I walked behind the guy. And guess what? I no more got behind the guy and the gun went boom. And he shot himself accidentally in the leg. You know, and, and, and that was the importance of the gun training I had when I was a kid. You never, ever point a gun at anybody at any time. And so, so many of the guys in service, they never knew what a gun was. They didn't hunt uh, and they didn't have gun safety. But I had it burned into me. So I was very fortunate. Well, again, what a blessing it is to have Mr. Grass here and just his knowledge and just everything he he has brought to the table over the years is a lot of people will say not heroic. I'm going to say heroic. Um, I'm going to say uh, you did something that was bigger than you back in the day, and you're right. Not everyone had the choice whether they went or not, and uh I just consider it an honor to have you here with us, brother. And I have a hard time calling you brother because uh, of the respect I have for you. And uh, the you're you're part of the greatest generation, and that's uh, you're a you're an institution to me. And that's how I'm going to present that. One so one thing you. I'd like to add, if I may, my father had a general store in Andale. Most of his customers were were farmers. When the drought came, they had no crops. They couldn't pay him. Pay him. He, my father couldn't pay the wholesale houses, houses, and he lost it. He lost the store. He lost our home. We lost everything he had, and that was really a trying time. And so uh, I w- would bring home ducks and pheasants that my mother would can, and we'd, we'd eat that for protein in the wintertime. And... and you had to be resourceful. And, 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 and so I made my own duck decoys out of steaks. And, 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 but I didn't have $7 to buy a duck call. So I, I learned myself how to call ducks without a duck call because I didn't have the 7 bucks. And it goes something like this. Now this is the dipper duck, the mallards and the teal. It's something like this. And then when, when, when the dipper ducks went through and you're out in the middle of the lake and, and you're hiding for the diver ducks, the redheads and the canvasbacks, they had a different call. Their call was something like this. And it worked. I'd have my decoys out there, and I worked that. And and they have we had migrators in those days, where there might be a thousand or or two thousand birds going through an ex- real high altitude. And and I was hunting them, and I thought, well, I saw some northern migrators coming through, and I thought, well, I'll see if I can call them. They were up there about a mile. They were so small. I started calling. They went right on through like I wasn't around. <laughs> I, thought, well, this, I thought that they'd acknowledge that, you know, and all of a sudden I see another big flock, the same height coming over. I started calling him again. It must have been 1,000 or 1,500 birds. They, they put set their wings and started coming down in a circle. They came right down to my decoys. So 
it worked in nearly most cases. We got people calling in or uh, messaging in. Those duck calls are so amazing. Um, And uh, lots of reaction coming through. I love hearing these stories. Thank you for all you've done. Well, I I also go ahead. There, there are actual stories that actually happened, and uh, and 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 they worked. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then one another way I I would earn money, uh, somebody spending money. In those days, all the ladies would love to have fur coats. And the most popular fur coats was the muskrat. So I would trap muskrats and, and, and uh, put them on wooden uh, frames, dry them, and sell them to the local dealer in town. And I get between one and two dollars for, for hide. And, 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 I, and I, I trapped a lot of muskrats that went into ladies' uh, clothing. And uh, it was a way of way of earning extra money. It was then resourceful. I, then, then I, another way of earning money. I worked in the gas station uh, on Highway 55 at Annandale, the Standard Oil Station, and you uh, would pump gas, uh, and you had a 20-gallon glass cylinder on top of the pump. And they come in and say, fill it up or give me 10 gallons or two gallons or whatever. And you'd pump that in. And I made 10 cents an hour. And most kids my age didn't have a job. And I was very happy to do that anytime I could. So recently I uh, combated a a post on our, on our network, uh, the People's Patriot Project. And someone had put a flag upside down and backwards and was explaining to us how distressed we are in America. And I want to revert back to conversations such as this in the fact that uh, Mr. Grass and his family at one point in life, I'm assuming 30s and 40s, lost everything because, A, they were helping out and couldn't do uh, all the pieces that they wanted to. And I'm sorry, America, we are a bunch of snot-nosed little bratty, spoiled turds that anytime there's any adversity, we want to to cry about how bad we have it. But yet we have a a living icon here who lived through some of the toughest stuff with him and his family. (laughs) How many of you gone and skinned a muskrat to make some money? Because if you haven't done it, you haven't done enough, Okay. If you had to go out and and make duck calls and figure out how to hunt and bring food into your family, if you didn't do that, you haven't done enough. Now, I don't want to get on this box, but I'm just saying you are a blessing, Mr. Grass, to have you here and our Grass, and I appreciate everything and the the history of who you are and the stories you bring. And I hope this isn't the, the last time we get a chance to have you on the panel and have conversations like this. You well, are definitely a blessing. I, I, I really enjoyed visiting you folks. And it, it is fun to think back because those times are so different than today, you know. And uh, it's, it's been decades ago that that happened. Uh, but uh, I've, I, I can't thank you enough for talking with you. And God bless you. And uh, 
and and good fortune to you in the f- future. Okay. Thank you, sir. You are always welcome to come be part of this panel at any time you choose. Wonderful. Thank you, sir. Awesome. And I believe he's got some company. So we are going to let (laughs) Fremont go get, you have some company waiting on you in the other room. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll let you get to them. Yes, I know. Interview (laughs) after interview after interview. They they just don't, they get to hang out with pretty ladies and. Yeah. And I'm only 98, right. and I'm very fortunate. <laughs> this, this 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 lovely gal next to me is so sweet. Uh, she gets me all excited. Don't let her fool you. Don't let her fool you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've already done that. Well, thanks, you guys. I'll be back in a minute. I'm going to make sure that Fremont gets over to his company, and, and we'll listen to some Johnny Holiday. I think, right? Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Thank you, and bye-bye. God bless you all. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Grass. How amazing is that? That's amazing. That's amazing. Sorry, Mr. Holiday. I mean, we try to get the mix going equal and stuff. And no, I don't um, sweat that. I, I love hearing. I love hearing. You know, uh, you know, people with that kind of history. I didn't when I was young, but nowadays I can. Isn't totally that true? Like you would run the other way. It's like I ain't got time for this, and I. But I just I look for every opportunity I get to have to to listen of the stories of. I mean, I'm I'm getting old, and it is. But our world is so much different than what mm-hmm. his world is, and the fact that he's never had a cold or the flu, how has he made it through this? And I I'm gonna here's. My, I've seen the guy at events, so he's not that cautious. I mean, I'm sure he's he's at events. He was there yesterday, so yeah. uh, the other little ugly bug could easily rear its head. But uh, I think it's a testament to the lifestyle and and who and what he is. I agree. So if you're gathering here with us and have been here, and you've we had the stranger pop on, it just says Johnny. We have. The one, the only Johnny Holiday. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan. I have to say because I I tell you what the horns. We get a lot of different musicians. Johnny Holiday plays from his heart, ladies and gentlemen. I was just saying this on Friday. His personality comes through his music, and I am in love with it. Thank you, my brother. It's, Thank you. Welcome. It's, it's a freshness, to be honest with you. It's a it's a talent that, again, not every kid coming out of high school, you could have this kind of talent if you wanted to, but definitely the time and effort you've put into this and and you haven't gotten to see the accolades we've thrown in your directions, but there used to be a guy in the 80s that people thought were pre- was pretty cool, Kenny G. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly like your sound better and that's wow that's my thank truth. you that's that means a lot it's it is what it, i mean how do you how do you sit here and drool and grovel over someone you really like and not show <laughs> that you're drooling and groveling over them but so we had and it's nice he sent me some links here and i'm going to pull up a link here but i couldn't remember all the names earlier and i can't get my show sheets up right now but Oddly enough, the song he sent me 
has got all the listings of where we were yesterday. So yesterday we saw Johnny at Sudden Ridge Farms for the uh, festival, a veteran festival set up for the DAB here in the state of Minnesota. And uh, him and his, do you call it the band? Well, you know, when it's just me and Willie on the saxophone, I just call it Johnny Holiday and Willie Moore. But when my son plays with us, I've decided to call it Why Not? (laughs) You know, Why Not? yeah. Okay. So, so people be like, "Why are you playing there? Why not?" <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we plan to take it to Target parking lot here in Burnsville and just sit up and just start playing and see how people react. You know, you just do that. Fun. Heck yeah! I've been trying to do it, but I've been so busy with what I do and stuff like that. So, but we we want to do that. And I got the audio rig. I gotta get a generator so I can have power and you know you got those musicians the the violin players that play out the yeah, parking lots the wanderers uh, yeah. some of them are not really playing they're actually mil- i caught a couple that were not oh, really playing and so you know not. i was like hey i don't know your history i don't know what you're doing you know I, i'm not gonna interfere with that but i thought it'd be fun if uh me and willie and my son went out there and just just rocked and just you know had fun and if they don't like it well, we'll, we'll just pack it up and i'll come home and make some fajitas and have a good I night. bet you, I, I bet you people will love it. I, I, I assure you, because I've heard the violin thing too, and I have been a, uh, for lack of a better term, victim of uh, throwing a couple tips in their tip jar, and then looking yeah. at, looking at uh, their setup with the electric violin, and realizing that their amp's not turned on, uh, and they're just Bluetooth and stuff. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's mm-hmm. a little. Uh, it, you know what it is? It takes away from the art and the craft, and it does. It, and and you know what, you know they're out there, they're out there, but there are also some uh, street musicians that are very very talented and oh, yeah. uh, and trying to make a name. But they're out there for sure. And uh, mine happened to be in Kansas City, so I thought it was the real deal. And I, after looking at the setup, I'm like, you know what, they're not really playing that violin. Well, there's there's counterfeits in everything. There's counterfeits in every career field, every leadership role, every. Indian, you know, you got chiefs who want to tell everybody what to do, and then you got the Indians that want to, you know, just do stuff. But you got counterfeits in there. You got counterfeits in ministries. You got you got them all everywhere. So you know, I don't forget. Uh, I was asked like, well, "What are you going to do about? It? What am I going to do about it?" That's on them. I'm, that's not Live my responsibility. Yeah. They're not hurting anybody. Life, so I don't you. care. You so do this- me. Did this start for you at a very young age, or is it a family thing? How did your musical journey start? I started three weeks ago. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> YouTube, right? <laughs> yeah, YouTube. I had a lot of editing to do on the, the laptop, but thank God for Max. You know, the same. Some tiny team said, "Hey, can you come do the national anthem for the first time <laughs> oh, ever?" And- oh my God! I got to tell you, when I I started the trumpet fourth grade but i never took it serious to like my the summer before my senior year in high school and i heard my brother play because he was an inspiration for me to play and i was like oh how come i don't sound like that he goes well you have to do what's called practice i go you're a mama and then i went to practicing and started you know oh yeah him and i go at it and you know he was already he's like 11 years older than me he had a life already and he was amazing trumpet player back in the day we actually used to travel in ministry together doing concerts and um, he and I played just like Willie and I played. We never argued over uh, solos, who was going to play what part. We just, we knew we were designed to make music. That's it. You know, and it, we didn't care. There was nothing that, um, 
I know a lot of musicians get wrapped up with, you know, I want to play in front of a big crowd and all this other stuff. And yeah, you know what? That box had been checked. And I was like, eh. I mean, I'm grateful that, you know, the Vikings bring me out or, you know, or the NCAA Final Four and all those guys bring me out. I am very grateful, but I get more excited about sharing that limelight with people that have supported me over the years and be a participate uh, participant with me. You know, I just did the Vikings the other day and I worked for a government agency and um, I got to, uh, the Vikings were just a freaking amazing. They, they hooked me up with tickets, field passes for these guys. You know, they gave them great seats and, and just seeing the excitement that they have on their face, because they would never get to do that on their own. They just don't have that kind of connection. And uh, to see them ex- excited, you know, it's like watching your own child. Like I love watching my son Josiah play drums with me because you can see stuff growing. I mean, you see him maturing on it and doing what he loves to do. You know, I get excited more about that than I actually do playing. <laughs> so you know, but that's that's just me. You know, I just. I'm grateful for the opportunities that God has given given me, and you know, uh, I just, I just, I've just had amazing opportunities, and still get to do so. So you know, um, how busy, how busy do you get in the winter time? Because I, my brain's going a billion miles an hour right now. Well, it all varies because I'm also a weapons instructor, so I'm on oh, company. So you know, it comes in waves. Like one minute, everybody and the mama wants me to play. All of a sudden. It's weapons training or medical training. And, of course, you know, I'm always working at the agency, so that's my primary job. It's like right before I got here, I had to play 20 seconds at a wedding. <laughs> I was just like, that started late. Oh, I was like, people, time is money. We got to go. You know the military, like everything's timed. 30 minutes late, I was like, y'all knew this was going to happen months in advance. Why ain't y'all ready? You know, but they were very kind uh, people, and I just – you just got to suck it up. You know, in the military, we just try to adjust and move on and press forward. Mm-hmm. So mission got accomplished. Uh, I think it was the shortest song I've ever played in my whole career and got paid for it. I was just like, What song seconds. did you play today? It was called The Royal Fanfare. It's like, that. it's a little classical piece, like 20 sure. seconds. And one of the ladies goes, that's it? <laughs> and I wanted to turn around <laughs> and say, that's all they had for a budget for. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I was like, yeah, that's all they wanted. And so they're like, wow. You know, and I, I had to leave. You know, I, I wanted to come be a part of your show, so I had to book it. And I already gave him a heads up. I'm like, listen, when I'm done, I'm popping smoke and I'm out. I got to go, you know. So well, I'll give you autographs you. later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so, um, you know. Well, let's pull. And I'm assuming this came from last year. I got uh, What a Wonderful World uh, queued up. Uh, is yeah, that, that from was, last uh, year? It was. It was just a video. They were promoting some of the stuff that we were doing musically and stuff like that. But that album, that song right there was actually, that arrangement that you'll hear is actual arrangement on my album. Uh, my piano player went into the studio. Um, I had no charts, no chord structure. I just said, follow me. Give me an intro and let me do this. And then that's what I did. And actually that song, when I played for Bill Murray, because uh, I was I was playing at the Saints game and he was there and I was like, hey, can I get a picture with you? And Bill was like, well, nothing's for free. Play me a song because he saw me with my trumpet and I was in, dr- in uniform. And I played, I, st- I just played a sample of What a Wonderful World and he started crying. And I was like, oh my God, I just totally screwed up the song. What you did just I just broke, do? You broke And he said, well, what had happened is I found out that his mom had recently passed at the time mm. and that was her favorite song. So Isn't that amazing? 
what that, music does right there. That's what music that is, I can't tell you how many times we've done this show and our guest and our musician have somehow created some kind of a bond during the, the 40 to an hour minute interview. And then all of a sudden, memories and thoughts and pieces. And it was meant to be. It was yep. meant to be. That that interaction was meant to be. And yeah. Hmm. Well, this is Mr. Johnny Holiday, and what a wonderful world.
I will tell you what, uh, Mark, I think you're on mute, but you know, I'm a, I'm a big music video guy. And I think what that's capturing, what a true wonderful world it really is with the simple mm -hmm. things, a, a child on a Absolutely. swing, animals in the pasture. I don't think you could have captured that any better. Well, to um, be honest, I didn't. I never even saw that video. That was something Jennifer sent me for their promo, but I never got a chance to like really review it. And so, you know, that I didn't realize they did all that kind of work. I was like, wow. Um, my comment um, when my mic was muted was, "Brother, you got you settled my soul today." Okay. Um, That's one of those that type of music is where people sit in silence and take it in. They're not they're not throwing up their hands and stuff. They they're taking it in. And you know what it's a it, it's a reflection and what a beautiful song for a special day. I agree. It's, again, not planned. <laughs> we talked about those connection Completely pieces. Not. <laughs> not planned. Not ready for it. And I needed that song today to settle my soul. And that's exactly what it did. And it was the right song for today for me at this moment. And so I don't know if anyone else is getting that. I don't care if anyone else is getting it. It was for me, it was my moment. And uh, thank you. Well, you know, I get asked every once in a while, how come I didn't um, do any major improv or anything? And I, and I shared, you know, some things just not need to be altered. The song itself is the message it's not about how i can play or what anyone can do musically sometimes simplicity is more effective than being a technical type of musician or in anything it doesn't matter just simple people relate to simplicity i and I, and people they ask me when i do performances you know why do you uh, um why do you target this particular of you know people instead of like all oh, the major jazz fests and stuff. And everybody has their reasons why they do what they do. And I respect that. But me, I love the simplicity of everything that I do as a musician and, and Sharon and as well as my friends and my son. To me, our purpose is to reach the hearts of those hurting. That's it. You know, anybody can go, anybody can do that. If you're trained, it doesn't matter. But what I like to see from people performing is from the heart. And that's all I care about. That's to me that message uh, goes a lot further than what you can do. Yeah, I mean, sure, I sail on a horn and have fun too on the crazy songs, but predominantly that's the kind of musician I've just grown to become, you know. And I enjoy it, you know. You know, I know people like to hear the high notes when I do it, and I do it for them from time to time. But it's not what defines me. The trumpet doesn't define me. It's Christ in me that defines me. Trumpet and music is a tool to reach the hearts of those hurting. Those that need uplifting, and those are just happy, you know? So that's why I do what I do with the music. So, Johnny, when you're a spectator watching someone play an instrument or, or pour their heart out, can you see and feel if they're just playing the song or if they are really playing the song? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How do, how do some, you tell? Um, it's the tone. The, the body expression. Uh, I mean, I've had some people that just played straight still, and but you can hear it. You can feel it. 
they've they've done some amazing, uh, you know, aggressive and all the stuff that I do, and they make it sound. It, it moves you the way they they voicing and they're phrasing it and and the colors of the notes that they use, uh, you know. And I don't, you know, one thing um, I noticed that immature musicians will go in to listen to artists to see if they screw up. You're a human, so along the way, somewhere along the way, you're going to screw it up. So I really don't care. I just don't care. If you screw up, well, life goes on. I can tell you countless times I have. But I go in to, to hear the message, you know, of what they have to say, what they experienced through the, the song that they've done or the testimony that's behind it. That's all I care about. Because you know what? I'm not impressed with any musician on this planet to this day. I am. There's nothing any musician can do to impress me. But if you can touch the hearts of those listening, you got my attention. You got, Johnny, you got you got that gift. You've got that gift, not and to, Mark described it perfectly today. He's like, that's to what I needed. Insensitive, not to be, in, but you put some stank on it. Is I think that's how you say it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> put some stank. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just go to. The, I don't know how that guy was doing it. I was like, man, he heard my saxophone playing the other day because this sure sounded like a duck. <laughs> Mark and I had a conversation about Mark and I had a conversation about chili the other day, and I have my own version of a duck call. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I say you gotta bring huh? you gotta bring Fremont onto the band, and he could. Oh my gosh! There you go. The, yeah. You know, I, I, I enjoy playing with people. Willie, oh my gosh, he's so funny. I'll just look at him. I'm like, you know, you're stupid, right? That was just stupid, you know? <laughs> but we have that 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 laughter. And, and you know, if I go on the saxophone, I'll be like, huh, or something. I'll I'll do something. And he'll, he'll whisper at me, looking at me while y'all are listening to me play. He'll be like, duck season. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> he'll tell me I sound like a duck. You know, I'm like, well, I'm a man. I play, a trumpet. I play a manly instrument. So we have so mm. much fun, man. And sometimes when we're really passionate of what we're doing, he'll be like, hey, Sarge. I go, what, boy? Time to go to church. I think we're having church up in this place. I said, let's go. Somebody got to get saved, <laughs> you know. So, you know, well, there so were no we, duck yes, calls we, yesterday. I mean, it was it was an amazing, and you got the. I, I'm glad we got the video because people that are watching, unfortunately, if you didn't get to see the, the actual footage because you're listening to it on the podcast. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank Mark and Jennifer Jansen for the amazing event that you guys did yesterday at Sudden Ridge Farms, uh, having Johnny there, uh, having uh, Fremont's there with the historical group out of, um, um, mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. having my moment. I know, yep. I don't, I. Yep, the place, mm -hmm. uh, the place down the road over there by the river, uh, Minnesota so history. Chaska or Chanhassen? No, not really. No. It's a, it's a <laughs> fort. It's a fort. Um, Snelling. Fort Snelling, thank you. Yeah, the historical <laughs> center from Fort Snelling. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, an amazing, gotcha. amazing, amazing property. Um, and just yesterday we did tribute to the Vietnam vets. Uh, we did a little parade and and welcomed them home with the welcome they never got. Yep. And if you get a chance, and again, this is we want to get our nasty green pinned on every veteran and every first responder out there because I want you to know that they're there. 
Yeah. Um, we need to recognize, and again, I, I'm pretty point blank blunt about uh, you getting the chance to lay your heads on the pill. I usually say your big fat heads on the pillows <laughs> of freedom. Uh, that's been bought and paid for by men like Fremont and uh, other soldiers and first responders that are, are living today. Uh, our police officers are fighting the battle of their lives right now yep. on the streets. We are hearing ambush shootings. We are hearing, you know, I'm sorry. If, I, you won't like what I have to say. I'm going to tell you right now. I told my children. And this is where it's going to get ugly and you guys are going to get mad at me and it's okay. Here comes our calls. I told my children, if you're not listening to the police officers, you know what? They get a right to do what they, they need to do to, to get the situation done. I told my children that. Guess what? They never had a problem with the police officers. Now, I get there's another piece that people are going to want to throw into this. I get it. Um, if you listen and do what you're supposed to, you have better chances. I'm just going to say that. If if you want to live, don't swim in the shark tank. That's kind of how it works. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we're over time, and that's okay. Are you good to go, Johnny? I'm good. All right. All right. I watched my um, clothes earlier so I could hang out with y'all. I got to ask, ask Johnny what his job was in the Air Force. All right. Well, those that worked with me would tell you playing the national anthem. <laughs> My job was playing the national anthems and doing jazz gigs for ambassadors and foreign uh, diplomats and the presidents and all this stuff. But my real job, what I was supposed to be doing, was um, security forces. But my career as a security forces was not your standard security forces world. Um, because of the music, I was actually going to give up music. I was done, tired of dealing with people uh, and doing shows with, and just working with just, uh, some people might get mad at when I say this, but idiots, you know, I just didn't feel like dealing with it anymore. Promises are prom promises. And I got this for you. I was like, I got to a point like, shut up. Don't bother me right now. You know, or they try to make you feel like you're special because you're going to play for the governor. The governor's not going to call me and see how my family and I are doing. Don't fool me with that kind of, you know, fake lure. You know, I'm not impressed with that. Um, so, you know, I was ready to give it up, but I had a very, very important mentor of mine uh, by the name of Chief Klukas, who was a command chief uh, where I was deployed to the first time and convinced me uh, not to go for pararescue and, and actually keep the music. And he said, you'll get to do a lot more things than you would ever as a pararescue man, which was still my dream. And I was like, ah, but you don't understand the stuff I dealt with people. They just get on my nerves. And I love people. I have no problem with people. It's just I don't like working with them and things, certain things, you know. <laughs> and so I decided to go down that route. And because of that, um, I ended up doing a lot of joint training and operations with Navy SEALs, Special Forces Group, Fed sniper teams for the presidency, all kinds of stuff that, I mean, I, it's not, I forgot half of the stuff. I have to look back at my performance report. I was like, oh, I did that? Oh, yeah, okay, never mind. You know, I made a lot of great friends and great connections and just a great brother and sisterhood in the military and in, you know, first responders because of the music. I don't forget when SEAL Team 3 showed up at my jazz gig and they were like, hey, listen, you know, um, hope you don't mind. We're going to stay only for 45 minutes and then we got to go because we got early training. I was like, I don't care. Whatever. 
They stayed the whole three hours. <laughs> the piano player that you heard on the song was Alan Paul, a great, amazing piano player. And he was playing with me that night. And one of the seals was like videoing his, his, his movement on the piano. I go, hey, 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 you, you can't do that. He goes, oh, oh, sorry. I was like, ah, just kidding. You can go ahead. <laughs> I, was, I would mess with them. Oh, man. I mean, I would just. And also the ended... safest gig you've probably ever played with SEAL Team 3 sitting, uh, sitting there in the audience. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you. I shoot just as good. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying. So uh, I was, uh, I got to do there a may or may not be a skill set there. May or may not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I did got to, I got to play out four with them. I was the bad guy. Uh, they were kind of pissed when I shot three of them. Then they got pissed. And then one bullet did like this on me. And I was like, okay, I'm down. Thank you. You know, and, uh, uh, and so, no, but they were great guys. I got to work with them. They came over to my house for lunch and, we talked and they gave me training on my kitchen floor, you know, and so it was really good. But I built up a great network of friends from all branches, you know, getting to learn what people do and what branches in the Corps and in the Army and the Navy. And I mean, you know, I still got multiple branches coming to my training classes for my weapons training, you know, because they just want to train and, and I get along so well with them. And, you know, so we, we do it, it's music has been a huge, huge uh, I would say God used that tool to the max than anything else I could do. Um, you know, so I, I pursued the music. Uh, I played for people I can't even put on my website because of their clearance. So, you know, it's just it's just opportunities that, that music was able to give me. And it's all because of the National Anthem. It, every, I mean, I got National Anthem for the Dolphins, Heat. Uh, I couldn't even tell you how many major indie the uh, nascar indy 500 all these major sporting events all national we got security clearances for this show too okay just so you know <laughs> you're not well, supposed yeah. to mention any nfl teams at oh. all, period, all right yeah oh, that's true good, well, good, I, good point i just have to say because i was a security forces guy too but i had to take it what i always say to the next level i was a cadam so uh i that had the red fun. Yeah, yeah, great job. Best job in the Air Force, I thought. I'm going so. to tell you guys with a red hat are more proud of that than freaking Green Berets are with their own beret. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> I'm, Why hey, wouldn't we be? Yeah, you know, I got you offered to, to go to Cadham. Yeah, I got offered <laughs> to go to Cadham, but the way that at that time, uh, the, what the Cadham guys were going through, I didn't feel like dealing with the drama. You know, y'all get wrong. I'm sorry. Y'all oh, take yeah. more crap than I'm willing to as a Cadam guy. So now I'm a civilian Cadam guy and I get paid Man, more money than I did. I get paid more money yeah. than I did with the military. So, you know, and you didn't good. trade that blue beret for a red one, did you? So, no, <laughs> but I tell you what, everybody knew the blue beret when I went and played the national anthem. They knew about That's that. Right. So, That's yeah. right. and I, I just want to represent us, bro, because we're the best. We are, what do they call it? The silent warriors. You can ask people, yeah. like, they'll tell you, you can tell them, I'm security forces, like, oh, okay, okay. They don't know what it is, you know? Yeah. And I really didn't like talking about my jobs and opportunities uh, publicly while I was in uniform because I just didn't want people to know that type of background. Mm -hmm. And um, so everybody thought I was part of the band, an Air Force band, because <laughs> they're like, wow, they got cool hats for Air Force musicians. I'm like, well, yeah, dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> I just but you see, you see how music music has really shaped a lot of those relationships, and I think that's it what's has. really cool about music. It is, and it's 
music can def can um, override any language. It literally overrides any language, any emotion. You know, you know any any uh, destruction in your life and any joyful moment in your life. It just, you know, when God created music, He knew what He was doing. You know, so uh, it's such an impactful. If you want to bring peace to people's life, play a song that they can relate to, and 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 they're besties with you for life. You could they could have got on your nerves, but the moment you play that one song and you play it to how they can relate to it. You know, I've had people. I've had people. And you know how security forces are, Dan. They got to talk about you if they don't like you because they're jealous and all this other stupid stuff, right? <laughs> but the moment that I got them tickets to games or the moment I got them to be on television with me. You had some best friends. Woo. Oh, they, they they never complained ever again. And I get it because, you know, they, they don't understand their, their possibilities of, of skills. Everybody's got a gift. It's how you capitalize on it. You know what I do is is when I went to bases, no matter if I was an urban warfare instructor or the gate guard, especially the gate guard, I loved it. But anyways, um, I made sure people knew who I was. I made it a point to know who I am. Why? Because you know what? There's opportunities going to arise, maybe not for me, but for somebody else that I know that's in need. And I can put them into together. You know what I mean? And that's why I got to know. When I moved to a location in uh, in here in Minnesota, Elko New Markets, one of the first things I did is I went to the police, the police department and let them know who I am and what I do for a living. Not the music, but the other stuff. And you know what? Three or four years later, we ended up doing joint training at a for an agency, you know? And, of course, I talked my smack and I talked a lot of crap to them because they're all big cornbread biking looking dudes. And I'm like this little Mexican chihuahua, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, 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 yeah. yeah, but wait, wait. What? Did they ask you to do the national anthem at the Elko Speedway? No. Oh. Mm -mm. Well, okay, well, I, well, I, I called them one time. It's coming. It's coming. I called them one time and I never heard nothing back. But, you know, I, I don't pursue people anymore to do Nash oh, no. or, or music. I don't I haven't pursued it in a long. I tell you, in a moment's notice, I, you know, when I did the Vikings game the other day, uh, the opening game, the, uh, who? the Vikings, the who he says, oh, you're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you need counseling. <laughs> Yes. Huh? yes. <laughs> so Ooh. when they called me to come do the national anthem, I told them they're like, "Hey, man, you know," and they were so kind to me. They just are blessing. And they're like, "Hey, we are excited you're here." And I said, "You guys know why I do this, right?" And they're like, "What do you mean? You know why I play the national anthem here, right?" And they're like, "Uh, no," because they didn't know how to answer it. I go, two reasons. One, y'all always take care of my troops. Anytime I've asked." For anything to, to my troops to come and participate, you don't hesitate. You make it happen. Second, I miss you guys. Other than that, I don't care about the football game. Yeah. I don't even stick around. I go to the national anthem, say hi to people, make my face known, and then I leave. I give the tickets Look. to all my friends and stuff. Football? And I can't even Who? spell football. I can spell football. Football. <laughs> yeah. Who? So, you know, and I said, that's why I do it. Like the Gophers. Oh my gosh! Oh, the Gophers! I, I know. The Gophers. <laughs> well, I tell you what: when Wisconsin wants to call me to come play, they can call me. I ain't chasing them down. Yeah. You know? So, but you know, you, you know, that's why I play because of fellowship. These things are these big events. I just love the fellowship. 
I'm not so I, wrapped up with if everything. You knew, if you knew how my head was spinning right now about opportunities that I think we could build with a your skill set and just uh, how we can reach more veterans and first responders and and more than that, the people, we the people who should be taking care of our veterans and first responders. Um, I just, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about a showtime. I mean, we're whatever, but um, I think I got another one queued, but the YouTube um, video doesn't have the title on it. I think I have shine in me booted up. Do you sing a vocal in that one? Mm-hmm. So this is expounding. This is expounding on uh, Mr. Holiday's skill set that doesn't involve concealing weapons. Um, or beret. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is uh, Mr. Holiday Shine in Me. I can feel your mighty power. And I can feel your glory. I can feel your love for all the world to see. Your light shines in me. You shine in me.
really wanted Back to take to my guitar out and try and jam with that, but I don't think I could keep up. <laughs> no, an amazing talent, amazing. I Again, the perfect fit for tonight. Um, you're a blessing to have here, brother, and uh, your, your persona and who you are are infectious, and uh, I just appreciate it across the board ever since we uh, connected. It's been a, an amazing ride so far, and we're just yeah. excited to have you along and it's nice to see other people fired up as well. You know, it's it's just exciting. You, John, Dan, everybody. You know, it's just it's like, yeah, it's just I, I'm I'm grateful for it. You know, and uh, you know, and this, to have the support of my boss at the agency. You know how he does, and my supervisor. They're just huge supporters of what I do with the music and my company and. You know, just opportunities I get they're there to be a part of it. You know, so I'm I'm super grateful for the the leadership that um, God has put me in line with. You know, so I'm very very excited about that and continue to do so. And I'll continue to play. I, w- I was though yeah. me and me and my guys were kind of uh, we felt bad because we didn't play nowhere near as much as we did last year. But, you know, because of all the changes that were going on at the time, we adjusted fire and just kept pressing forward, you know. But we were like, oh, my gosh, we could do so much music right now. But, you know, hearing the stories of these gentlemen, you know, it's just, eh, we'll do music later. I ain't worried about it, you know. So it, w- it was definitely great to hear some of the stuff that they were talking about and discussing and sharing with us. And then, you know, me talking to everybody, getting to talk to you guys, and hanging out. And, I ate like a chunky monkey. I had to do an extra couple of miles of PT so I could burn off what I had to. Johnny, with all, these, with all these instruments, I bet that you, when you fly, the TSA just cringes when you come up there with all the, all these different instruments you play at. There, there's been a couple of times uh, when I was flying out quite a bit. They, they were getting to know me, and they're like, oh, that's the guy with the horns. Just, yeah, just come on. Just come on. Yeah, don't don't screw his horns up because it costs more than what we make in a month. Don't don't even start with that, you know. And you know, there, there were some pretty um nice people I met in TSA, which is you know, it is what it is. And uh they they, they came a point. But you know what's funny is like when I when I was in the military, you know, everything the orders covered every cost. And now when and and you know, I was on order, so I didn't have to worry about, you know, making a living for it. Now, <laughs> I told everybody before I left, I said, listen, there's going to come a time. I ain't doing this for free no more. You're not traveling, flying. I'm not paying for none of that stuff. I've worked too hard for this. You know, I've always worked with people, of course, with their budget. I've always worked with them as best as I could. But there, well, I never forget, like a year and a half ago, I got a call from one of the bases I was stationed at. And um, they're like, hey, want to know if you can come play at our event? I was like, What's the dates? And I looked. And I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." They're like, "Okay, well, just uh, let us what you, let us know what you need." I said, "Well, I need my flight, my lodging, uh, the travel expenses. Somebody pick me up, or you're gonna get a rental car for me, whichever. I don't care. Just do one of them. This and this." And they're like, "Oh," and I said, "This is what I charge for the event." Oh, we thought you'd do it for free. I was like, "What do you think? You've lost your mind. I got a family to take care of." 
Isn't that nuts? <laughs> it is. That's the reality, though. That's the reality, is. though. And it's in everything, and, you know? It is. But there's a heart in it. And, yeah, we would love to be able to do things for free all the time. Sure. But but there's also reality in it to continue with it and expound upon yep. it. And so it can continue, can continue. And, unfortunately, sometimes it has to be treated as a business so it can continue. And it's it a does. balancing act. It is. And, it's, you know... Huh? I was going to say, it's the classic ant grasshopper story where you get all these, the ones that do the work, they do the investment, they create the storage, they get it, and then you've got these people, and they don't, and it's, I'm not going to say it's their fault, but at the same time, it's like, open your eyes and look around and see what's going on, because this is mine, and it does cost to do it, and if you want it to be better, then you have to invest back into it, and that's a conversation we have well, regularly, even with our nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's a respect well, yeah. for the art. It is well the per, the individual's time. You know, I got a buddy of mine that I do uh, weapons tactics with, and I'm always getting schooled and learned from this guy. He's just a great guy, you know. Um, and I I don't ever ask for nothing for free from him. I'm like, what's your what, what what's your cost? And he'll be like this and this. Roger that. Because if I believe in it, I'm going to invest in it. Mm-hmm. If not, my time is not worth. It's not worth my time. I, I I know we have to be an account. We have to take an account to everything that we do. Rather, I put my money in people, or they put their money in me. And I tell my kids, I'm like, look, you better get one thing straight. If you want people to invest in you, you need to learn to invest in yourself. Time, your 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 gear that you need, uh, preparation. The flexibility of styles, you know what to do. You know, I got my son going to special operations. I was like, if you don't take the time to invest in yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, you know, you're not going to be a fit for nobody. You can't just have one of them. You got to have balance in all of it. Know when to invest in people's life. Know when not to, you know, and that's what I've learned. I mean, I, I tell you one time, my wife told me, she says, I'm getting tired of you coming back home, complaining and whining because you did an event for free and you didn't bother to do your research to find out if they were paying everybody else. You were just quick to just say, yeah, I'll do it for free. So you either make up your mind to do either do it, charge them, or don't charge them. If you don't charge them, they know what you're getting into, no matter who else gets who else gets paid. And ever since then, I was like, I've never had regrets. If I do for free, I've never regret. I don't care what they paid anybody else. I don't care. Right. It There's a time and a place for that. Yeah. There's a time and a place for that. It is. Uncle Sam gets his, so I want mine from Uncle Sam. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's the same conversation we have with veterans that we help out, and we've had this conversation. It's like it would be nice that they would invest back into, and I'm not talking about fiscal. Sure. I'm not saying pay us back. Right. But how about come back and volunteer back into the organization? And we do have this conversation regularly about, you know what, can we mandate it? We can't. And so when we give, we give with the purpose and understanding that we may, may never see a return on that. Right. Whatsoever. And that's the conversation. Then at the, the other side of it is this, do we give? And we have some frequent flyers that come back and they ask again and they ask again and ask again. And sometimes we've just had to say no. And that sucks yeah. because we don't want to be in that spot. But at the same time, we're not going to let a person, a organization, a group sink the ship because we're helping them out only. 
And yeah, well, you know, I when I used to travel with my brother in full time ministry, we dealt with a lot of that kind of mindset, penny mentality. We called it penny mentality. And I remember when I went solo, um, a pastor asked me to come to a concert at his church. And I decided to start seeking, what do they want from me? What do they want out of me? And, you know, he would, they would, they would say, hey, you know, brother, um, you know, the, the, the talent that God's given you would just, you know, be a blessing to our church and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, what's your budget? And they're like, budget? I'm like, yeah, what's your budget? You know, you live three hours away. What's your budget? And they're like, well, brother, you know, you should do this unto the Lord. I said, no, 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 no. Let me tell you one thing. My life is unto the Lord. This is business. You know, now if pastors were sometimes they've, they've said to me like, you know what, brother, we want you to minister to the body. Oh, well, then you're taking a whole different realm. You're about ministry. Well, then, you know what? Love offering, brother, whatever. I don't care. It's not, it's not in my hands. It doesn't matter to me. And I never regretted that. I never have, you know, but when I feel like, you know, if, 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 if people, if I get the uh, impression that people are taking advantage of what I do, I'm accountable for the gift that God gave me. I'm accountable for those things that I use it for. That's why I tell my kids, look, you know why I pay you, boy? Because you're my son, and I want you to understand your value. But I want you to understand money does not define who you are. Your life defines who you represent. Money can come and go, and it will. Let me tell you, money does not care when you drop six feet under. It doesn't care. Just like the, the machine Can't when I worked for the military. You. No, when I worked for the government, I had the greatest time of careers in the military. Loved it. Had great times, hard times, bad times, fun times. Hey, that's in everything. I accept that. But when I left that machine, I never looked back. And I never regretted it. And they asked me back twice. I was like, nope. I'm good. Box check, baby. I'm on. <laughs> you know? I got other things to do that's, that's more important to me and my family right now than I'm worried about what you got to offer. And I really appreciate the kind gestures and the kind opportunities, but no, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to live that life. I lived it once. It was good. I'm done. I want to experience new things, you know? Like, so, yeah, um, like, and I think, I think that's what I, when I talk to veterans, I said, I think that's one of the number one things is you've allowed the military to define who you are. The military to define who I was. I made, I defined who the military was. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, it's God that opens those doors. It's God that pushes you through the hardships and the great times and gives you, you know, the recognition that you need or whatever, or the opportunities. It's not the Air Force. Air Force didn't even know who Johnny Holiday was until God opened the door for me to do the National Anthem. That's just how it is, you know? So give credit yes. where credit is due, and that's to the Lord. Everything There's else a lot is just of the truth. There's a lot of the truth, and that's when we find out and get in and start deviling into this and realizing that the issues a lot of our soldiers are facing are issues that they had developed prior to their service. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a gigantic piece. And so, but that doesn't stop our mission because we can still work through those pieces. Exactly. The reason why we are upfront and helping with those who have served is because you actually have done something bigger, better, and beyond what most people do. And you've done something that's bigger than who you are. And that's why we're willing to, put out for the mission, put out for the people, put out for the ones that have done a little bit more because their intent was in the right direction. Well, you and can thank that. my brother for that, the one I traveled with, because yeah. 
it was many years ago, or I'd be like maybe two years ago, three years ago. And he goes, Hey bro, how successful do you want to be at what you do? I'm like, well, how far do you think I want to go? Because I think you want to go super far. And I said, that's where I want to go. And he goes, well, then you're going to have to change something. I said, what's that? Your attitude. It's got to be bigger than you. It's not you. It's I, bigger you than know, you. I think you're doing well with that. You know, and I was like, oh, man, you could have told me that years ago, bro. To save myself <laughs> some crap. You know? You know? And, and that, that's just the reality of it. We are on this planet here to serve. I don't care what your gift is. You're here to serve. And in, it doesn't matter what position you are, serve. And people that don't, uh, that struggle in life or that have problems trusting people, they understand when an individual serves them. They, they see uh, hope when somebody goes out of the way to help them, genuinely. You know, so it's it's just... I think we need to remember we're here to serve. I don't care what capacity or position we're in. It doesn't mean that you let people take advantage of you. No, you're here to serve, though. And if I can make your life lighter and the burdens lighter, hey, then my job, I know my mission with you. That's it. Amen. Amen. Well, you've been a blessing, Johnny. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this all goes and what we're doing. Um, we've already given a uh, Jeremy Daniels is working on it and we appreciate Jeremy's regular with us and thank you Jeremy and uh, we are with you we know you got your struggles brother and we're we are with you and uh, uh, I know you will connect with Andrea probably for sure and share more and um, we've invited you you guys are welcome to join us in Nashville and then yeah, I remember we talked. Man, I was so fired up when you talked me. I'm still fired up, even though I can't make it. But still, I'm just okay. like, right. oh, I'm just like. But you know what? I can't say yet. Yeah, I still can't fair. say because you know what? You know, it's not in my hands. It's in God's yeah. hands, and I don't, We're, I don't well, put wait. that wall up no more. You know, this has been a blessing, and we don't I know where it. this is going. And I know it's going to grow. And I know we have a relationship in Minnesota. One more relationship, and. Um, I know things are going to grow because of this. And when I share some ideas with you, maybe that'll uh, spur some stuff. But uh, uh, 100%, I can't think of a better song. Typically, you start the show off with, uh, we start off with the pledge. And normally when we have a guest, we do the national anthem. And that wasn't the feel for today. But what a better day to end our uh, show today with the, the national anthem and uh, what this country represents and what that flag represents to us. Uh, I'm going to throw up, uh, and it wasn't this year. He just recently played for the Minnesota Vikings, his national anthem, as much as I play fun with the NFL and, and those guys. It's, uh, it's, it's a place to show the beacon. And uh, Johnny definitely shows his beacon of hope and opportunity and spirit, and he's bigger than, and he shares his story. And if you get a chance, Go check out his music. Go check out him. Uh, he's a person to uh, look up to, and uh, he's a leader. He leads amongst us. Uh, he's not in front of us. He's not behind us. He's right in the middle with all the rest of us. And so, um, is this the Vikings one? It is. It's oh, the one you sent me. Gosh. So 
You know what? I got to tell you, it was seven degrees. Okay. I could not even feel my face. And you know what tripped me out was the, the color guard. These big old Viking dudes. I mean, they didn't even, I don't know if they had gloves or not. I don't care if they had gloves or not. They were just solid, man. And I looked at them. I'm like, God, I'm such a pansy special force in my foot. I'd have been crying like a little punk, you know. And I was just, I was just looking at them. I'm like, holy cow! How can those guys just stand there, just like, just like that with a flag? And I, you can see me. I don't know how far the video is. You can see me going. I wasn't trying to smell my breath. I was trying to defrost my face. I mean, the guy who told me that he goes go. The moment he told me to go, I, I, I could have sworn my trumpet was up here because I couldn't feel nothing. You know. <laughs> And I, of course, all the jokes, you know, security forces, Dan, the jokes got to come, right? They're like, hey, man, did your lips get stuck to the mouthpiece like on the Christmas story? I was like, you need to shut up. <laughs> you know? But um, it, that was the stepping, uh, uh, that was the stepping stone, which ignited my career to a whole new level like it's never been before, ever. I think... Uh, I think I have over 200,000 hits or something like that on the video on Facebook or something like that. But you know what? It was just amazing, um, you know, that an opportunity that God gave me. And they gave me three days. That seems to be a trend with these guys with me. They're like, oh, hey, hold on, can you come play? I'm like, three. And you know what's funny? And I attest this. This is why I think discipline is so important. Because I'm not trying to go on a rant like my buddy did, but um, – one of the best compliments that the Viking staff ever gave me was like, you know what? People tell us all the time, call me if you need me, call me. And everybody's turning them down. He's like, the only one that we call that never turns us down at a moment's notice is holiday. And I said, well, you can thank Uncle Sam for that because that's what's instilled that's awesome. in us, in our lives. That's awesome. Message. You know, we, like the Bible says, be ready in and out of season. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I, I've trained and trained. I will tell you this. They they love the sound check when I do a sound check because I only do it once. When I first did it at that game, right? When I first did a sound check, I went through this song and they're like, okay, you want to do it again? I was like, why? I just played it for you. And they're like, oh, really? Yeah, no. I want to go eat. I'm hungry. You know? And then the, the, the booth guys, the audio engineers were like, does he want to play it again? And they're like, no. And they're like, what? Really? Are you sure? I love it. I was like, I just told him, well, do you want to hear it again or not? What do you want? <laughs> you know, and they're like, no. Okay, well, then I'm going to go bye. And I left. And I found out later because a lot of times people that do the National Anthem go over like five or six times. No, 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 no. I said, I practice at home. I perform here. I'm done. I got to go. There you go. And ever since then, we've just hit it off, you know, and, and they've just been so kind to me. So... Yeah, that, there's more to that story than you can imagine, but I, that that would be have to that would have to be over some coffee and stuff, you know, or Mr. Holiday. Fajitas. Mr. Holiday hits on a point that is be ready so you don't have to get ready. We say this regularly here. That's and, right. Uh, That's a good. I, I hope. I hope the People's Patriot Project gets to be the the go to organization. You know, we answer our calls just yep. like Johnny does. You call, we are here, we're here for you, we are with you, we are the beacon, we are the shock and awe. If you're capable, please stand, remove your covers. We've got Johnny Holiday with your national anthem.
To honor America, please stand as tonight's callers are presented by the Memorial Rifle Squad at Fort Snelling National Cemetery. And now please remove your caps as you place your right hand over your heart. While all veterans may render their hand salute, we invite you to join jazz musician and artist from the 934th Security Forces Squadron, Technical Sergeant Johnny Holiday, in the singing of our national anthem. Fuck off.